it's a thing that I've, I've, I've been focusing a lot lately, which is the whole thing about, uh, nations competing with each other. I believe that, uh, we should be competing less and cooperating more. I know it sounds like, uh, very kumbaya and, you know, I believe that this is the way for us to all grow together. And I think that we should think about all our prosperity and not compete as countries or different areas. That was the voice of Tambi Jaluka, CEO and managing partner of Propeller, the Jordan-based venture capital firm. I am your host, Ali Zweil, and this is the Startups Arabia podcast, where you learn about the Arab startups ecosystem from the best founders, investors, and operators in the region. My guest today is Tambi Jaluka. Tambi is the CEO and managing partner of Propeller, a venture capital firm based in Jordan and investing all over the region. Tambi has deep expertise in the software engineering field and building product. He had a Binary Interactive, which was a software consulting company a while back, followed by a startup called Jobland, which was a bit ahead of its time. Following that, he became a founding team member of POS Rocket, which later exited and became Propeller's first uh, portfolio exit. Tambi is very passionate about product. He loves all things pro- product, including customer discovery, refining the user experience, and all the way down to system architecture. Please enjoy this wide-ranging interview with Tambi Jaluka. My guest today is Tambi Jaluka from Jordan. Uh, he's the CEO of Propeller. And, and you know, the way I picture Tambi and the way I think about him is he's like the Paul Graham of our, of our region. He has, uh, he's surprised, but, but I mean, he has, he's very opinionated and he has similar ideas, in my opinion, about what makes a good startup and, and, and uh, what works and what doesn't and, and how to approach things. So um, I've read a couple of his blog posts. I, I listen to a podcast and I'm always following uh, what he's saying. And I hope you enjoy the conversation as, long, as much as I've enjoyed following him over the past uh, couple of years uh, with Propeller. So welcome, Tammy. Hi, Ali. And uh, thank you. And also you got me off guard. You caught me off guard uh, with the Paul Graham. <laughs> Maybe we can just start with, you know, how, how things typically start. So where did you, how did you end up being in the world of startups? So like in uh, a few minutes. Um, I've been uh, building software uh, since I was a kid, uh, let's say, maybe as a kid, as a hobby. And then partially for a few years, uh, which led me to, at some point, start my own business. But it wasn't a startup per se. It was a software development company. That was my first business. I did that in 2007 for uh, a few years. Then in 2014, I got bored from building products for other people. So I started a startup uh, called Jobland which was a mobile-first uh, video interviewing uh, platform. So, but this was uh, prior to TikTok, prior to Snapchat, so people w- weren't really comfortable sharing their videos. Uh, I wish we uh, waited a little bit, maybe, but uh, we couldn't fundraise, things didn't go so well, so we shut down in 2000, late uh, 2015. Uh, 16 is when I joined uh, a few people, great people, Zed Farah and Zed Husban, starting Pios Rocket, uh, led the products and technology there, uh, which ended up uh, and bringing me together with Zed Fereth, who, who was doing angel investments at the time. He convinced me, in, uh, let's put our uh, like invest, angel investments and the sweat equity we made in Pios Rocket together in a, a new business, uh, a holding company of sorts, so we can add more value to more companies, uh, which is something that I think both of us were thinking of at the time, always. Uh, we ended up creating Propeller as an investment vehicle, uh, and which slowly, uh, uh, around 2019, became a VC. Uh, when I decided to halas, join fully uh, Propeller, become the CEO, and move towards a VC 
play. Um, Manaf joined us uh, as well uh, earlier, but uh, yeah, we were a small team. Um, and we started investing in uh, companies. We did that uh, all the way until we launched our first official GPLP structure fund in 2021, uh, which is the current fund, uh, our first official GPLP fund. And uh, we have a total of 24 companies. So I would say that I just happened to uh, uh, end up being in VC. I wouldn't say that I knew I was going to be in VC. I knew that I wanted to uh, build companies or be part of building companies, but I never asked for uh, or thought of becoming a VC. Got it. Um, yeah. So, I mean, Propeller, when it first started, uh, or when I first encountered it anyway, uh, it was positioned like as an accelerator, um, uh, not a typical fund. And and then you made the move to decide to turn it into a VC, uh, more, more of a venture capital, typical micro fund uh, structure. Um, mm -hmm. What happened there? Why did you start as an accelerator? Why did you make that move? So, as you mentioned before, like uh, when you said Paul Graham, I'm a, the biggest fan and uh, we've always been, I think many people in the region are big fans of Y Combinator, his company. So uh, we were, we want to build companies like the companies that are being built in Y Combinator, if you think about it. So we assumed like, yeah, this is what we need to do. We need to have an accelerator similar to Y Combinator. Uh, I'm not saying that, but you can feel the redundancy because I guess we have similar thinking or maybe we're, uh, yani, as everything else, it's built on top of other things that start before it. So uh, th there might be some, uh, uh, you know, inspiration. So yeah, how it works. Yeah. And, uh, but we felt that it, it's a different setup. In the beginning, and it was like, okay, we have smart people around us, but we're not in the US. We're not in Silicon Valley. Uh, we don't have uh, a Stanford that we are very close to, and we're, uh, you know, investing in those. Uh, yeah, so the story is different, which meant that we would need to do things differently. Um, mm -hmm. Accelerators in the region tend to be, um, more on the developmental side, which is great. Uh, I'm sure they help people, but YC was not built uh, with a developmental mandate and, uh, uh, you know, uh, the funding was not given by the government to create this. Uh, that's why it works, by the way. So I don't believe you yep. can create another YC. You can, you can learn from it and get inspired by it. But uh, yeah, that's why I don't believe that currently uh, an accelerator is the best way possible. Uh, a, a VC that really adds value by just being valuable is what we're trying to do now. Uh, yeah, Bro, that's it. So, so you, you felt that the accelerator model was not um, applicable uh, to the region with the, with the type of founder, with the type of companies uh, you're seeing? And, uh, and or, or is it the financial aspect? Is it the model, financial model wouldn't work uh, with regional uh, outcomes? Um, that might also be, uh, yeah, cause you would need to take in-kind equity from startups early on. So I wouldn't say that, uh, it's the best way to, uh, uh, to go about it. But also being, if you have a heavily government, uh, financed accelerator, you can make the model work, but mm. would it really output the great companies that you want? That is the thing that, uh, um, and we questioned and we shied away a little bit from like, uh, the type of company that we would attract uh, if we are an accelerator. Uh, we, so in YC at these days, they attract like the best of the best, you know, people from Jordan, from yeah. all across the world are applying to YC. If you're mm -hmm. building a, an, an accelerator that's only like specific for us, uh, in, in a country, then you would attract uh, the people that only can access you in a way, not the best, but, mm. uh, I can't really say that I don't sometimes have, uh, I think like, okay, is it the time to create an accelerator or not? And mm -hmm. something that's regional, not something that's specific to, uh, one country. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we, we think about it, uh, sometimes yeah. going back so, I mean, to that. 
Yeah, basically an accelerator fund and uh, an accelerator in the region would not have the quality of, of, of companies, would not attract the quality of companies that would make it successful in, in the way you envisioned. Right. Got it. Yes. So, I mean, going back to Propeller, uh, on your website, it says in bold, very large letters like product first, everything else follows. Why did you write yeah. that? Um, I know it's, it's not totally true, by the way, but we're trying to be cheeky and we're trying to be controversial because uh, you know, some people might say like, no, team is first. I agree. Uh, team are, are the people who build the, the product, but that's given. You know, uh, if you want to differentiate yourself in this market or in other markets, having a solid product that's much better than the other alternatives, of course, much better is uh, relative. Is it? much better uh, uh, priced uh, features, usability, um, distribution, people reach it easily. So it's a combination of many things. And uh, when I'm talking about product, I talk in the sense that product is something that had a customer. So of course the customer comes first as well. Uh, some things are, uh, you know, embedded within that message, but we're just trying to shake things up and uh, resonate with people who really care about product as well. Because uh, from our understanding, when we see people uh, build great companies, everything is important. Distribution, team, uh, how you manage people, maybe me. But uh, product is usually at the heart of great companies, whether it's an Apple, it's a Snowflake, it's a Airtable, Notion, you know, you can say the product, people enjoy using that product. They enjoy paying for it. It's everything's easy. So we do want to highlight that and also attract the people who care about these things as much as we do. Okay. Yeah. So um, I think it's great yeah, to, to really be out there with what you're looking for, because then you attract what you, what you're looking for and you, and the rest stay away, so to speak. Um, and, um, another area that you focus on from the website is SaaS enterprise and cloud. I mean, that's at least on the website, you're saying this is your focus area. You're not looking at other things uh, necessarily. So no consumer, no other stuff. Uh, why did you do, decide to do that? So uh, it's a combination of multiple things. Uh, first of all, uh, our experience, uh, uh, us as a team, we're very close to software and SaaS. Uh, because of that, we know we have a higher chance of adding value in the early days, connecting you to the right people, also understanding what you're building uh, than other type, uh, than other VCs, uh, I would say. And uh, having this uh, cohesive portfolio where a lot of people can actually share what's happening, add value to each other is also something in our portfolio construction. So we believe in focused uh, funds rather than generic funds. At some point you would grow as a VC and maybe have other funds or have your fund uh, broader. But since we're just starting, and I would say we're still uh, a micro VC, uh, we believe that focus is key. And the types of companies that we're focusing on are scalable by uh, nature. Uh, uh, and the SaaS companies rarely are focused to one geography. They don't have a lot of operations, uh, infrastructure companies the same. They might, infrastructure might have a little bit of governmental or uh, different aspects, but also they're really valuable because they, uh, they help other startups run on top of them. So, mm -hmm. which goes with the B2B mentality as well, where, where I'm seeing, uh, yeah, we're seeing good results from our portfolio. Uh, it's, yeah, it's been working for us and, uh, yeah, Great. And I would say scalability. And uh, building a global product is what uh, pushes us towards uh, SaaS. Yeah. And, and, and you guys, you, you invest very early in, in companies' life. Uh, there's a very like, small amount of signal there to, to decide what to, what to choose. So what do you look for to determine what you invest in? Interesting people uh, working in a big market with a big vision. And usually, uh, I, I know it's hard, but uh, if... But that's why we attract rather than 
find people in events or, you know, we do attend events. We go there to meet people, but uh, usually we attract people uh, towards us, which is, I think, the best way uh, in, uh, in VC because you lower the CAC, I would say, uh, if you mm -hmm. use uh, terms. So, yep. um, yeah, yani, uh, but I mean, interesting people is, is an interesting term. <laughs> What, what do you mean by interesting people? I mean, what? So, uh, I call them builders. So people who build things, uh, it might be building a technology product. It might be a group of uh, people that you created in university. Uh, you might have solved multiple problems and have some kind of product sense, I would say, uh, those are interesting people in my opinion, uh, because they know how to mobilize, they know how to sell people because, you know, startups need to be selling investors, customers, and team members. So if there are people who know how to sell in that sense, I usually, we usually are attracted towards them. Of course, I, I have to uh, underline it that it's not people who sell anything. So it's not people who sell, uh, you know, uh, empty promises. Um, I don't know any why, but sell and deliver. Exactly. So people who did things and know how to attract people towards their mission, I would say. Right. So, I mean, you're very much an engineer at heart, uh, and you became a VC. So how does that affect your viewpoint? Do you think? Um, I think it, you know, it allows you to think broader, but at the same time, it's, it's freaky. It's, uh, sometimes you start uh, thinking of like everything, is it viable or not? Which sometimes I, I, I catch myself doing, but you shouldn't really care when, when you're just starting, should really be uh, doing what you're doing for the passion. Like, wouldn't it just be cool if I can do this? Sometimes um, it might become a startup or not, by the way. A lot of open source projects, a lot of cool things that happen in the world didn't really need to become startups. Some of them did. So, uh, you should really be careful about not falling into the trap of thinking of everything there. Like what the output, what's the yield of this? Maybe there is no yield yet. Maybe, uh, time will, in five years, uh, there will be a yield. There should be a movement. Uh, maybe you should uh, track, like, am I doing, uh, uh, am I going towards a goal, uh, regardless if the goal will give you money or will it be a, su a sustainable business? I think in that area, I sometimes. Uh, uh, fear that uh, not to be pushed a lot by uh, not to be sucked by the uh, VC part of it, which uh, yeah, I, th I think that's my biggest uh, I would say conflict in being a VC and an engineer at heart. Yeah, um, uh, yeah. Sometimes being a VC, I mean, one of the biggest fears is to be too realistic and too uh, like uh, not really seeing the opportunities and the potential looking at the, all the roadblocks instead, because I mean, the roadblocks are always easy, easier to see, aren't they? Mm -hmm. yeah, 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 because in just uh, like tangible, let's say you're in year three in a VC, or this is the last year and there's a great team and you've decided as a portfolio design structure that you're not going to do any more, uh, uh precede uh, startups because there is not enough time to exit them. This is great VC talk. But what if that's the next stripe uh, exactly. here, war, yeah. and you didn't see that because you put those PC blinds on uh, too hardly. So maybe that's what you're alluding, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, just an interesting thing on that note, uh, you know, if it's being too late because it's the last year to invest in pre-seed, uh, there was just uh, in the news uh, a month ago, I think, Union Square Ventures, which is like one of the greatest VCs in a very old VC, just exited its very first fund <laughs> mm -hmm. this year. So it does, it takes more than, than we think. And uh, I think, you know, we have to just look at the long-term game. It's not really about the next five years, uh, even uh, in VC. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. All about the yeah. long, uh, long, long-term vision. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I found Propeller's media strategy to be very interesting because you guys, you're a very small fund, you're a micro fund, which is normal. It's your first fund. Uh, 
uh, and yet you you run a you have a technical conference expand you have two podcasts let's talk products and expand snippets you're starting a blog so it's like a16z you know with their billions of dollars of uh, under management uh, media strategy uh, of course w- you know uh, within your capabilities you're doing it but but it's an interesting strategy w- what do you think about there it seems like a huge investment um but well it's not any it's a tick it takes a toll on us as a team of course just like any could we move we're trying to move at startup speed where you need to do a lot of things by yourself you need to hack things uh you cannot do everything perfectly you cannot assign an agency to do something uh, uh i don't believe that you can outsource and if anyone tried to do that it will probably fail unless they're really big where they can hire the top people who make it look organic. So everything we do is organic, is from the heart. Uh, it's just that we push ourselves to share more, uh, try to uh, help others that they would at some point help us or reach out or become a portfolio company or become a mentor to one of our startups. So it's a strategy where we want to be an active part in discussions that are happening in the region. Um, try to learn more so you, you, you so when you have a voice you're it's actually helpful I, I don't say that we did anything to uh, be in this position yet we're growing slowly but uh, just like any startup that starts which I see myself as, as any, I don't want to claim that I'm even close to the stress that startup founders uh, have but we're a starting up business and uh, we need to really hustle so I feel it's part of the hustle. That's what pushes us to do multiple things. Incredible. So, I mean, uh, speaking of the startup stress, uh, one of the, the, the things that are always stressful in startups is fundraising. Um, you, you, you've been through it as a startup and, um, and uh, as a fund as well. So are there any best practices you, you can share with listeners? Hmm. Um, I'm sure there are many things, but, uh, one of the things that really, uh, is crucial is, uh, triaging who you should talk to, like understanding, like, uh, does this investor, whether it's an LP or a, a VC fit our uh, thesis, because you don't want to, uh, not thesis, uh, fit what you're doing, because right. if they're in the wrong market, if they don't do early stage startups, it's. It's all wasted uh, time where you can use that call, you can use that uh, preparation uh, to do other things that might be more fruitful. So I would really focus on whom should I talk to. Talk to a lot of people, of course, but uh, also select, yani even like, narrow it down, but also do, uh, talk to a lot of uh, people as well, which means you should go outside of your comfort zone. And it's all about uh, telling the story. So, uh, yeah. A good pitch deck is is uh, is about why us, why now, why is it interesting? Uh, rather than just TAM and use the funds, uh, so many extra. Uh, yani, we really, uh, I skim over them. I, I think me and many others, by the way, and you can hear others talk about this. There's so much uh, extra information in the uh, deck. You, sometimes you, you go, you reach like the end of the presentation and you're like, so what do you do? Uh, I understand the TAM, I understand that you, you need two million and whatever, but what do you actually do? Who's your customer? What are you trying to solve? And yeah, so yeah. I think telling the story is really important. It's, it's not yeah. easy, but uh, that's why you should really work on refining it every time. We still Absolutely. refine yani, every time I send um, our own deck as propeller, I keep on refining it because Yep. It should be a living document. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, so, so the story is very important, getting it really tight and really clear, uh, the problem you're solving, why you, and targeting the right people in the first place, uh, really looking at, the, at, your, at your pipeline correctly. Great. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, going back to your story uh, about your career, uh, you talked about uh, your, um, your startup in the, in the job, uh, space in the recruiting space. Sorry, uh, I think it was Job Talk, mm-hmm. right in 2014. 
And you spoke about timing, you know, that, that job? Job land. Job land, sorry. Uh, uh, I have no idea where I came up with job talk. Uh, anyway, uh, so uh, job land, and, and, and you spoke about timing, the, the issue of timing, um, and that really if, if the timing isn't right, no matter how good your idea might be like 10 years from now, it won't work today. Uh, at the same time, for early stage, you know, we need to be a little early because, uh, because you, you, you're kind of positioning yourself to be at the, at the right place at the right time. So it's, it's really very difficult uh, to predict, do you think it's 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 even possible to predict that? I I really believe it's hard. That's why I think uh, you should be uh, uh, as a VC investing in a lot of teams. Uh, I don't know what a lot is depends, but you should be backing more and more people, even if they don't have a clear exit strategy or clear uh, like five year plan uh, vision. Because as you said, Ali, that's a really good, uh, you identified that you need to start earlier than the market. Uh, usually a lot of times you look at the startup, you're like, yeah, but there is no market. Good, but you need to sniff the world uh, changing in that direction. Can they actually win? If, if the answer is they can win, I don't know how, I don't know when, but is this the right team? Uh, is what they're doing something that uh, there is some indication that it might, there is a possibility. I think you should back those people. Uh, and uh, as you said, people start earlier before it was uh, good. For example, Figma, when they started, uh, WebGL didn't, uh, wasn't really that fast and the technology wasn't really there for them to be able to uh, do, if, if they did Figma back then exactly like this today, it would have been very slow within the browser. But uh, yeah. because they had head start, that's why when things got better in 2014, they actually started getting some traction. Yeah. And I mean, going to the Figma story, they were actually very patient or, and their investors as well. They took years of, of not really having uh, things right with the product uh, before they, the, the timing was perfect. <laughs> mm -hmm. It's not really perfect. It's really patience and hard work and, and vision and luck. Um, yeah. to some extent. Great. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, I mean, you're a VC based in Jordan. Um, how is being a VC in Jordan different from other parts of the Arab world, uh, in your view? Um, Jordan is an interesting or, place where, uh, in the VC space, uh, especially Jordan, we have a lot of good history. Uh, we, as Jordan, we've been at the forefront of uh, building technology and startups. Forefront. I'm not saying we're the only ones, but we've we did well uh, looking yep. at our size. We have Maktoub, we have Souq, uh, exactly. well, we have Jawakib now. We we've had older uh, successes with uh, uh, different teams as well, and we had the first VCs. Uh, yeah, one of the first VCs in the region, Silicon Valley. But before yep. that, there were another name i forgot it now but uh yeah so we have that history people who've tried once twice and failed and uh, also at the same time we're too small we don't have a market and we don't have capital uh yeah, i wouldn't say that as a country we're rich in capital yep. uh, as a vc i would actually say we are not rich in capital it's uh, very limited sources and we're very thankful that we were able to tap into them but i don't believe that there are like option B's, like literally, uh, we only and there was only option A. We took money. If we if they if they didn't work, there isn't option B. It's that uh, hard in Jordan, I would say. So as a VC, mm -hmm. it's hard in Jordan, but at the same time, we do have great talent, which and networks and connections because of everything that happened through our history, which enables us to be a good regional fund. I'm gonna say. I know that we're in Jordan, but also the experience that we've got and collaboration with our brothers in Egypt, Saudi, UAE, Syria, other countries. Uh, I think we will, and we have a good shot at being a good uh, regional VC because of our history. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting the way you describe Jordan is, is a bit similar. I was uh, like a 
couple of trips on the to Sweden and their startup ecosystem there. And of course, Sweden has produced quite a few uh, huge companies like you know Klarna, uh, uh, Spotify, and uh, many others. And it, it's it's a very similar situation except they have capital maybe uh, in that they because of the fact that there's a small market. They have to look globally. They have to have regional success, regional and global success to be, and they have to think about that from day one. And that almost raises the ambition bar. It's actually a good thing in a way, um, in, the, in the way they think and the way they focus on product and, 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 and do that. And, and Jordan, I think, is kind of the, the most similar thing in, in the Arab world. And it's really wonderful what the ecosystem has done compared to the size of the market, as you mentioned. Uh, but we also have stability, by the way, just to give credit, Lebanon yeah. is also great, yes, with a great talent, similar, yeah. I would say they might have some problems with the economy and, uh, politically, right. but they have great talent as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah they've done a lot. Yeah. 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 I would uh, definitely, uh, agree with you on that. Um, okay. So, uh, that's, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about Jordan and, uh, versus the Arab world. What about the rest of the world? Is it, how do you look at that? Um, how, how do you, how, how do you see the differences between you, uh, as a Jordanian VC and a, and a VC in Silicon Valley? What are the challenges you're facing that they might not be facing? What are the opportunities you're seeing they might not be seeing? Um, so I'm, I'm just gonna not talk about fundraising for us because, uh, again, that's boring, uh, and that's not the main thing, but, yeah. uh, on the startups side, I would say that, uh, access and it's not easy to access deals globally, uh, but, which mm. is uh, something that needs to be in a way hacked. Uh, you need to figure out different ways. Uh, although we did, we do have investments again, one of, our, uh, uh, one of, our, so now UK, uh, California, Boston, and the UAE are places where we have investments and uh, we have companies that move to different geographies uh, as well in the region, but mm -hmm. um, it's harder for us to actually access deals there, which is usually the case, by the way, especially at the pre-seed stage. Uh, you know, there's a saying that and if a company is, I don't know how much far than Sand Hill Road, VCs will not go to meet it. Yeah, yeah. That's why everyone goes to Silicon Valley to fundraise, because if exactly. you're in Nebraska, most probably you will not be able to find uh, some good VCs. So in that mm -hmm. sense, it's harder for us as the geography, but the more we are digital, the more we are doing things uh, in a different way, which uh, COVID helped, uh, yeah. gives you access to uh, better deals and grow your footprint, uh, I would say. Uh, similar to yeah. how other VCs in North America do it. Yeah. Okay. Um, like moving to another track, we're, we're near the beginning of 2023. Uh, predictions are, are all over the place for the, for the global economy. Some people are saying it's going to be a soft landing. Some people are saying we're going into a huge recession uh, that's, that's going to last for years. And, you know, it's, it's really all over the place. There's a lot of uncertainty. That's the, the short uh, version. So how are you advising your portfolio companies on, on how to uh, travel through this uh, upcoming year? Mm, so I would say in one uh, sentence, make your money last. Make your money last. Uh, doesn't say like, don't you uh, spend money or don't try to grow because you there, you should be trying to grow, but maybe don't try to grow super fast in the hopes that another VC will be able to catch you in six months because that new VC might not be there. So make your money last and grow sustainably. Uh, uh, you might be able to weather the storm. I mean, it seems like the storm is coming. I'm not an expert on uh, global finance or macroeconomics, but um, it seems it's going to be tougher for startups, yet we will, uh, yeah, times will be good. So when the sun is shining and everything is good, most probably the companies will be in a better place as long as they are still there. Yeah, they didn't Alive. close shop. 
Exactly. So make the money last is really important. Right. So I mean, maybe sacrifice some growth uh, if if that's going if that growth is going to come at a, a huge cost to your bottom line and and your burn. Yeah, if you're a number, if you yeah, if you have market leadership uh, for like a few months and then you close shop, I don't know what good would that uh, get you. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's a good segue to, uh, you know, you talk a lot about the importance of gross margins uh, for VC investments and uh, that um, not all businesses are good for VC, including sometimes you, you talk about businesses that a lot of VCs have actually invested in. Uh, so can you tell me more about that, about your thoughts about that and how you look at things? To well, can the through my humble new understanding of VC and looking at companies, uh, I yani, I've come to yani, read a lot and understand how business works. And if the unit economics don't add up, uh, you can get away with it for a short time, uh, which is what I was talking about, like from one hand of a VC to the other, hot potato. But right. times are not good, and no one will carry you forward. You would end up in a really bad place. Uh, of course, there is always, you, know, you you can go in the minus as a net profit. That's totally uh, acceptable as a, because you're moving so fast at the startup. But there's a margin, uh, like uh, how much uh, is it? Uh, that's why gross profit margins are really important. Uh, if you have good ones and you ha if you have a relatively good team that's growing, you will most probably be almost profitable all the time, but you choose not to go. Uh, so you choose to go to the minus, not that the whole business model until something happens. Uh, I don't believe in like just a miracle, like waiting, uh, like maybe, maybe we'll become a unicorn and we'll, uh, there should always be a, a plan. The business should be healthy, good economics. And when you go into uh, the mode where you're burning a lot, it should be briefly and uh, calculated. Uh, I think that's, that sums up my position on that. Right. So, I mean, uh, reflecting that, um, you know, on the, on how tough times are for fundraising, things like that. And, uh, I know you, like you had a quite an interesting, um, trip, uh, or journey with, uh, with the POS rocket and things were really tough, even though it's a, you know, it, it, the, the fundamentals of the business are great, but, but, but things were not that, uh, easy, uh, looking back on that journey and, and, uh, how do you think, uh, I'm sure the team has, has had this conversation, you know, what would you do differently or, uh, what would we do differently? So as you said, uh, many tough things like, uh, you know, you're trying to teach people to get uh, on the bandwagon of cloud computing. So a lot of POS systems weren't on the cloud. So there are a lot of customer education. Uh, there was a big player in the market, Foodex. Uh, they're also doing well. So it's not as easy to uh, penetrate uh, new markets. But the thing, things I've learned, uh, I would say, uh, don't be afraid to uh, do things. So sometimes, we overcomplicate things. Uh, so I would say that uh, we could have entered other geographies faster, uh, have more, uh, more, how to say it, uh, like be more confident uh, in ourselves. Yeah. Um, I would say that uh, there are some products that we launched, but didn't really launch. We did experiments. Uh, I wouldn't say it's very optimal. Uh, we didn't give the experiments enough time. So we did mm. something that looks like uh, online stores, but we did it uh, very timidly. We didn't really release it into the market. So if, if you do an, uh, an experiment in a way that it will fail, it will most probably fail because you never really put the effort into it. It's like a VC right. putting a very small ticket into company and then say, why, didn't, why did they close shop? Because you didn't give it right. enough effort. So I think the times are where we didn't, if you say, be confident and dream big enough. 
uh, I, I would say that's the biggest thing that I learned uh, from Gas Rocket. Interesting. So, uh, going to another thing completely, I mean, from your posts, I get the impression that you really hate Web3. Uh, is that true? And why? Mm, no, actually, I, I, I love the technology behind Web3. It's really exciting uh, having decentralized apps, having uh, smart contracts working on behalf of every transaction, figuring out like what to do, who to give money to. Uh, possibilities are great. Uh, so mm. I, I I really like the And what is Web3? It's the evolution of the web. So how can I not like Web3? Just like I liked Web2. I was there. Yeah. Uh, maybe this dates my age. So, uh, but Web3, uh, it's sadly tied to cryptocurrencies and investments and speculations and uh, this whole thing where it's a movement and you need to believe in it. No one did that in Web2 and it wasn't a movement of online Ajax and forums. It was just, oh, look, this is a cool uh, application that we can use. This Facebook thing, you can actually share content. You're part of the content creation cycle. Mm -hmm. In Web3, it became more of a religion or a movement, not in the good sense, I would say, where a lot of people got burned, a lot of money got wasted, a lot of, uh, sadly, people who are uneducated of how does web or things that are called web three work lost a lot of money because that was, uh, making like snake oil, uh, snake oil salesmen and uh, people trying to really rip off people who don't understand how web three works and they even make it sound more complicated than it is. So in that sense, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm I hated that thing, which I still do. I think it still exists, but. The hype has gone now, although mm -hmm. uh, it will resurface again in a different uh, for I don't know, maybe they'll call it Web 4 or maybe they call it a different thing. Yeah. But um, I'm usually very skeptical as a person. I'm both hopeful, but very skeptical at the same time. So yeah. uh, maybe that's the thing that pushes me to push back yeah, against the, the, the religious fervor, the, the overhyping. Yes. Got it. So, I mean, uh, just very recently, I think this week, you, 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 you made a post about uh, the latest YC batch giving an overview of the statistics. Uh, um, could you share with, with us the, your observations and your learnings from that, um, from that post? Okay. So, uh, but, yeah, I went over like the companies. Uh, spent a lot of hours just looking, reading what, of course, what they have on the website and then do it, going down the rabbit hole, following each founder, like going on their LinkedIn, seeing what they built, what they worked on. And, uh, I, I'm not going to say I was surprised about a lot because YC had been consistent. So if, and it's not like something changed this year a lot, but it's just like, I went deeper this year trying to understand them. And I would say that they, they really focus on complete teams. They like founders. So the average founders are two, uh, and, uh, which means there are a lot of three and fours and a few ones, but when that happens, another thing is that those founders are, I'm not going to say the complete package as in they know everything, but they know how to build the product. So usually they're from a technical background. If it's a healthcare company, they might be uh, doctors or bioinformaticians or something related to what they're solving or software engineers, if they're solving a SaaS uh, problem, product managers. So that's also something uh, they, uh, that I've seen. Um, types of businesses they back are, a lot of them are SaaS uh, because similar to what I said, the nature of uh, SaaS companies, how big they can grow, uh, how technology is actually solving things in the real world. Uh, so when you say now there's a hype with AI, it's part of SaaS. I, I don't consider it as a separate academic pursuit. It's the, the, these are software companies, uh, providing the AI as a SaaS, similar to copy AI, Jasper, all of the other ones. Yep. So I think those, those are the things that, uh, I've noticed the most like uh, founder backgrounds and things. Uh, one thing that's really interesting is 
a lot of the founders do have other expertise in uh, different startups. So either they had a previous startup or they worked mm -hmm. in a startup. And a lot of them actually work together. So this you can only see if you uh, go to LinkedIn and yep. when you go, and when you go at the same time, check out all the other founders, you're like, ah, oh, okay, they worked in this startup, uh, Airbnb, for example. One of them yep. was a product manager. One of them was a software engineer. Most probably that's where they became friends. And mm -hmm. then a few years later, they started a company, applied to Y Combinator and the story goes. Yeah. And Airbnb itself was was a Y Combinator company and it's just the cycle keeps growing. Exactly. Do you think, I mean, all the lessons there are generally applicable or are they more just a confirmation that in the way YC is focusing, it's successful? I mean, this is the way YC does things. But, well, it is the way YC does things, but doesn't mean it's the right way. And I don't believe there is only one way to do something. It depends what you're solving and which market. And um, I'm sure that at some point YC will be an old, I don't know when, but it will be, it will be the old way of doing things. And there will be a, a new paradigm and new way of doing things that's better. So currently, yep. uh, they seem to have been doing well. I'm a fanboy, uh, but I don't know if that will uh, last. Well, I'm sure that there are other pockets in the world where innovation is happening and people do it in a different way. So I wouldn't also, I would be skeptical about the, oh, it's not the Holy Grail, but it's just really good at that point. Yeah. So uh, can you tell me, going back to Propeller, what, what is the recent investment you made and, and why you made it? Okay. So I'll tell you about uh, the latest investment, which is the Bionel. Uh, so Bionel is a company building tooling for bioinformatics uh, bio uh, researchers to do their job uh, faster. So it's tooling and AI, it's SaaS operating, utilizing AI technology to provide uh, the researchers with faster, uh, better ways of understanding their data. Um, mm -hmm. the founders themselves, yeah, one of them is an MD, uh, so medical doctor, uh, he yeah. worked, he didn't work actually. He was always building things, uh, and, uh, the other ones, one, uh, you know, one works in technology, uh, in AI and the other one is a bioinformatician. So they're relevant to the industry. Uh, mm -hmm. they lack, I would say they lack management skills. They lack things like that, but. No one started with those things. And if you talk to the Colossum brothers, when they started the Stripe, they didn't know how to manage 10 people. They learned. Uh, the thing is that they were infinite learners, people who learn, passionate. And yep. uh, if they need to learn something, they would go and do it, or they would hire someone who's better uh, later on, uh, better than them at doing it. So, yeah, I think that sums up why we did it and why it's exciting. So mm -hmm. also fits us that SaaS. And I really believe that uh, life sciences and healthcare is an area that's untapped. Uh, and there's yeah. so much that be done, which would reduce, uh, which would make healthcare accessible, which would reduce, uh, you know, like medical bills and pricing of medicine, uh, all of these things. Absolutely. I'm curious, I mean, for this specific investment, did you, think about uh, the market did you met did you try to evaluate the market size or are or are you just i mean obviously it's riding some very strong way uh, trends in the market and and things that are going to be essential moving forward but specifically for tooling for bioinformatics uh, i guess it's still a small market at this point in time at least right um but my it's exactly uh, as we talked before, it might look like something that's niche. It might st yep. stay niche, but what if it grows? What if it's actually the, the next way of, uh, the next wave of precision medicine, and this is the best way to do it. And all of these researchers end up using uh, this tool. We believe that this is a possible outcome. We don't, uh, there, there are no guarantees, but what's guaranteed is that the team is good enough and capable enough to do that. This is something that we can see today, but where will the market go? I still don't know. How big is the market? Honestly, I don't even, uh, uh, it's, you know, right now you can see it's a billion, which is not a lot, 
but I don't think there's a difference between a billion and a couple of billion. Um, anything that is kind of like there are enough people working in it today that it has a few billion, I think there was enough market to go after. And uh, uh, yeah, that's the way I see it. Yeah. Um, and I think that that's, I'd like to like double click on that, the, the idea that, that it's really about what could go right, not, not where we are today and, 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 and what all the limitations are and, and what could go right are basic trends that are actually happening. And, and, you know, we are in the business of optimism in the startup world, not, not in the business of expecting things not to go well. Uh, so, I mean, looking at the Arab world in general, I mean, do you think, do you see major opportunities, any major opportunities start for startups in uh, the area? So the one area that I believe is uh, really untapped is infrastructure that enables cross country business or, uh, yeah, so I would say. So a lot of doing business across countries is hard. It's much easier in the U.S. Uh, U.S., a lot of different states, but at the end, they work seamlessly together. So it's very easy for me to sell. If I'm a SaaS startup in, uh, uh, let's say, Miami, I can have customers in Silicon Valley within a few hours. I wouldn't say even yep. a few days. Uh, but in our region, okay, I want a customer from Saudi. Oh, I need now a registration and stuff. I need a new customer from Syria blocked country i mean you know these uh, uh this infrastructure that enables us to do business better i think that's an area that's untapped i'm still looking for startups that do that it, it put us uh, it pushed us toward one of our startups which is invoice queue that does e-invoicing across uh, countries that's part of the puzzle i would say but mm -hmm. so many other areas and infrastructure I'm not talking about infrastructure as in water supply and these things. Technology infrastructure or business infrastructure. I, uh, I'm not really sure what to call it, but uh, the simplest word is infrastructure for me. Yeah, to use. the idea is clear. <laughs> so um, last like major question before the quick fire questions. Uh, in 10 years from now, what do you think Propeller will be doing? What, what will it look like? Um, I actually don't don't know, uh, but uh, I know that we will be uh, happy, helpful. Uh, the team will have grown a bit, not much. Uh, uh, the people we impact will have grown, so we we would have the teams of the teams we backed are going to be larger. Uh, I know that we will be covering more of the region. Uh, at, I think we are limited now, but we will probably uh, go more into Africa, go more into uh, Pakistan, Turkey. Like, I don't know the reach, but it will be a regional play rather than Middle East only. And uh, yeah, I, I can't, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, no, that's a pretty big uh, vision and it's uh, refreshing to say, you know, the honest answer. <laughs> So, quick fire questions. Uh, just, uh, I'll ask a quick question and get your uh, answer for it. Uh, first one, what books do you like to recommend to others? What books? Um, systems Thinking is a great book. Uh, uh, sorry, Thinking in Systems. Uh, I forgot the name of right. the writer. But, uh, maybe we'll find it and put it in the notes. No, definitely. Um, Great book, uh, The Hard Thing About Hard Things. I know many people recommend it, but no harm yeah. in recommend it again. Absolutely. Um, I I think reading about UX for... Uh, so there's a book uh, called... Uh, I forgot the name. It's about no UI, something uh, related to how can you build invisible UIs where uh, you don't really see the UI, mm -hmm. but you actually experience it. So it's a right. really good book that helps you think about UX, uh, mm -hmm. the design of everyday things, again, yeah. a UX book, but it really helps you figure Absolutely. out why, why are things built the way they are. Beautiful book. Uh, and if you're into VC, I would read, uh, like, uh, the power law, uh, mm -hmm. 
I think it's at uh, uh, Malabi. Uh, I think the yeah. last name is the writer. So I would uh, read that as well. Uh, yeah, those are things that uh, come to mind. I'm just trying uh, to look at list of recommendations there. Read about history. The last thing I want to add. So there's a book about the history of Silicon Valley. Uh, mm -hmm. Like how did the actual Silicon part of Silicon Valley. So it's, it, it right. starts and ends before you even see any uh, 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 software, by the way. So it's all mm -hmm. about like... Uh, Fairchild and Fair Intel Child. and all these things. Yeah. Exactly. So understanding how they started, uh, not that you can replicate it, but really you can understand uh, why the things happened the way they did and how VCs were instrumental in building that, by the way. Yeah. At the end, you think that VCs is just something new, but started in the 50s uh, at those times. Mm -hmm. The I think that's a valuable book to read, to learn about the history of technology in the recent, recently in the world. Yeah. Interesting. I'll, I'll get the name from you later and put it in the show notes. Okay. So how do you unwind and how do you stay energized? I'm so I, I try to learn things. So I'm, I'm a cyclist. I do mountain biking. I really enjoy it. So, uh, that's something that really helps me unwind. I, cause when you're, I'm just, uh, I know it's, uh, because it's a high adrenaline sports, I would say you're literally trying to avoid trees in a forest. So it helps you unwind and relax. I know it's different than right. meditation, but it's actually my meditation. Because uh, uh, you I have can't to focus think. on just one thing. Because if you don't, you're going to hit a rock. <laughs> so exactly. it helps, and you might yeah. end up breaking uh, an arm or something. Yeah. So I do that all the time with the family, and uh, you know, that's also something important. Uh, friends and family. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I don't. I don't have any like you know meditation rituals and. I'm not into that. I'm just. Yeah, and I, I'm a, uh, 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 a little bird told me you like guitar playing as well sometimes. I do. Mm, it helps me think, actually. Uh, a lot of time I end up uh, there in the like other room, but I just grab the guitar, start practicing, start playing things. A little bit of blues doesn't really need to make sense. It's part of what we're talking about, just playing for the sake of playing. Uh, not mm -hmm. really for the sake of recording it and making money out of this record and you know, just enjoy your time. I also play drums, which I can't show you now, oh. but it's right here. Uh, also helps me uh, upset, like yep. just, just disconnect relax. from the world and yeah, exactly. clear your mind. Absolutely. So, um, who do you think we should have as a guest on the podcast? Um, Regionally, uh, or actually, yeah, I'm just. I would really like to always Amjad? hear from Amjad Masad from. Oh, Rocket. I'd love to have him. Yeah, uh, uh, he's one of my favorite founders in the world to, right now. I really love uh, uh, his uh, thoughts. I love yeah, his company. Who else? His thought. Yeah, know, who else? The company is building. I would uh, also talk to. Uh, Sinan or Fuad uh, from Maksam. I know it's our portfolio company, but I really like uh, the way they think about creating a company. So they have really mm -hmm. interesting ideas about how to build culture, how to build, uh, uh, you know, like a sales machine, a product development machine. Um, who else? People I know that I respect. I would also talk to Zed Husban from PS Rocket because uh, he has great idea as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I didn't really prepare for this section. So, um, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm sure. Well, uh, we, you can always, uh, we can always add more later. So what mm -hmm. question should I have asked you that I didn't? By the way, I would talk to the guy who created or the, uh, the team that created InstaDeep, uh, which just right in yeah. Tunis. Yeah. I would, I would talk to them. Well, what they've absolutely what they've done yeah. is great. I think Kareem something. Uh, yeah, um, yeah. I would uh, I would love to hear that story. Let yeah, me, me too. And I'm sure our listeners. Great. So, what question should I've asked you that I didn't? 
I, there is something I wanted to, yani, uh, what's the infatuation that you have, Tambi, with the Middle East and why do you want everyone to work together? Uh, it's a thing that I've, I've, I've been focusing a lot lately, which is the whole thing about uh, nations competing with each other. I believe that uh, we should be competing less and cooperating more. I know it sounds like uh, very kumbaya and, you know, I believe that this is the way for us to all grow together. And I think that we should think about all our prosperity and not compete as countries or different areas. Uh, these are all cities where great people live in. They just happen to be in countries because someone decided that these lines make a different country than that one. Uh, mm -hmm. Those people want to collaborate, want to work together. So I, I'm always for collaborating more. That's why recently I've been uh, obsessed with finding teams that are uh, that happen to be from Egypt, Jordan, Saudi, uh, different co-founders that happen to meet somewhere and uh, start a startup. And if those yep. places where they meet don't happen, I'm also looking for, okay, how can we create those avenues for them to meet? So then in five years, when we talk about them, like, yeah, this is where they started. They met at this conference or this event or... Absolutely. Yeah, it should be the conference events. No, I mean, uh, that's, that's wonderful. And uh, it just resonates, of course, very much with, with me. This is why we, we, you know, I created this podcast. Uh, so uh, to, 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 to create this sense of that this is like one entity, really, and, and that collaboration is really the road to, to a huge market. Uh, so it's good for business, and it's also good in so many other ways. Uh, so, I mean, uh, lovely. Um, one last quick fire question. H how can people reach you if they want to reach out to you or to Propeller? What's the best way to reach out? So you can just send us a message on Inafra, any, uh, Twitter, social LinkedIn, media. send me social media, right. send any of their team, uh, go to the website and fill out the form if you want to formalize your thoughts and share them with us. Yani, it's, that's a way, but it's not the only way. You can also reach out to any of our team members uh, on social media. Uh, we respond usually within an adequate time. Sometimes there are uh, slower times because, you know, work piles up, especially when uh, it, yani, a lot of people are fundraising, so would get bombarded by requests. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't believe we have any special place. It's just whatever you see available in front of you, just send us a message on it. Yeah, great. And uh, I like to close the episode on a note of gratitude always. So what is a gift someone has given you that had a large effect on you on your life? Oh. I can't say something cheeky like the gift of life from my parents or that's, I think, <laughs> obvious. I mean, that's... That's too common. That's uh, like something I think everyone will say. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, what really tough questions, uh, Ali, but interesting questions. I would say, uh, yeah, yeah, belief. I mean, some people in my lifetime, I don't want to name a lot of, but they believed in me. They put their trust and their uh, uh, horned hard-earned capital and uh, I really thank them for that belief and trust keeps me going and it also uh, and it also it gave me comfort enough to think bigger uh, I hope I am uh, thinking as big as I should be uh, yeah uh, I think the gift of believing in other people uh, and a few people did it it's not only one person in my life so I thank them all Great. That's a great note to end on, Tambi. Uh, and I want to thank you for your time and, and express my gratitude to you for, for spending this time uh, with me and the listeners. And uh, hope to talk to you soon, face-to-face -face in Egypt, hopefully. Thank you, Ali. Uh, definitely. I, I or or enjoy it. I mean, you never know. <laughs> and if you're into yeah. Mansaf and stuff, I have to come to uh -huh. here. Well, I haven't tried it. I, I was like, people have described it to me as something really heavy duty uh, that, you know, you need an ambulance to take you, you know, uh, afterwards because it's so heavy on the uh, uh, you, you, you shouldn't plan, 
after it. يعني you eat منصف right, and yeah, then yeah. evening is long. Uh, yeah, forget about the the rest of the evening and just sleep till the next day or something. Thank you very much, Tambi, for this uh, very gracious invite and for your time today. Wonderful interview. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Startups Arabia podcast. If there was something you really liked about what the guests said today, reach out to them on social media and tell them what you liked. And of course, if you haven't subscribed yet, what are you waiting for? You don't want to miss any of our great upcoming episodes. Also, please rate us and give us comments on our social media accounts so that we know how to improve. And also tell us what you like. We don't mind hearing that either. Until next time, this was your host, Ali's Whale.